Hey everybody out there in podcast land, this is Chris, the public safety guru. Well, where has the time gone? If you are listening to this podcast right now on July 14th, 2019, that means the possibility of you having your trauma exam five block exam is tomorrow. So what happened today is one of your students came to my class today and told me that your block exam is tomorrow. So I decided to go ahead and tape this or record this podcast in an effort to give you some information that should help you on exam five trauma. So pencil and papers, thinking cap, and let's jump into this because this is going to be down and dirty. So the first category we're going to talk about is shock. When treating or preventing shock, high flow oxygen is most important. Now remember, with shock, it is known as widespread inadequate tissue perfusion. Widespread inadequate tissue perfusion equals shock. Hypoperfusion equals shock. I do apologize if there's some background noise. My flipping dogs are going crazy, but I got to get this podcast out so some of you can review for tomorrow's test. A sign and symptom of someone being in shock is a rapid thready pulse. Remember, the first compensatory mechanism of someone going into shock is tachycardia. Now, you're going to have a test question that's going to talk about poor skin turgor and sunken eyes. These are signs of dehydration. Dehydration is hypovolemic shock. Do not forget this. If you forget it, I can't help you, okay? I can only give you so much. Okay, next category, anatomy. When someone, when someone suffers trauma to the abdomen with radiating pain to their left shoulder, the spleen is most likely damaged as this pain radiates to the shoulder. Okay, abdomen, get some type of trauma, Patient complains of left shoulder pain because of that referred pain. We are going to assume that the spleen has been injured. Now remember, a contusion is a bruise. Okay, We can have a contusion anywhere in our body, including the brain. So a cerebral contusion is an injury to brain tissue. Now let's all jump all the way down to pelvic fractures. Pelvic fractures can lead to serious internal bleeding. Remember the anatomy of that, ladies and gentlemen. Our femoral arteries go through the pelvis on their way down the leg. So this is why with pelvic fractures, we are concerned with serious internal bleeding. Now we're going to jump into treatments. All nosebleeds are treated with pinching the nostrils and putting the head forward, forward, forward. Get it? If someone is shot to the chest and you see bubbling coming out of that wound, treat with an inclusive dressing and continue your assessment. This is that RTS. We're trying, we're doing head to toe, front to back. We have now found something that's going to kill our patient. So we need to take an inclusive dressing, seal that wound, and continue with our assessment. This is why we're putting multiple things together now. We don't say, oh, look, there's a hole in the chest. Let me just keep doing my assessment. No, we need to fix that because that's the immediate life-threatening emergency. When a patient has a dry powdery substance, we always brush before we flush. Remember to remove their clothing as well. Gunshot wounds, you need to control bleeding and cover cover the wound with sterile dressing. Control the bleeding and cover the wound with sterile dressing. Open fractures are always covered with sterile dressing. Remember, an open fracture is when a bone has come out of the skin. So we must protect that wound from infection. If a patient presents with a clavicle fracture, 
we are going to sling and swath it. Remember, clavicle fracture, sling and swath. When it comes to burns, the first thing we do with all burns is stop the burning process. Think fajitas. You're not going to you're not going to eat fajitas when they come directly from the kitchen to your table. You're going to let them cool down. You're going to let the burning process stop. Same thing when treating burns. Wow, I actually just got hungry and now I'm craving fajitas. Now, if we have an injury and we cannot control bleeding with direct pressure, we always apply the tourniquet proximal to the injury site and note the time that we applied the tourniquet. Proximal to the injury site and note time. When treating scalp fractures, scalp fractures, apologize, when treating scalp fractures, never apply pressure. If we apply pressure, ladies and gentlemen, we can push the part of the skull into the brain, thus killing our patient. Impaled objects in the abdomen are always stabilized with bulky dressing. Stabilized with bulky dressing. If you're wondering why this is going so fast, I literally have 14 minutes to get this done and upload it so you can start reviewing it. All dislocations are immobilized in the position found. All dislocations are immobilized in the position found. Also, we never angulate dislocations as they will not lose their pulse. Fractures are angulated when there is no pulse. So remember, dislocations never lose their pulse and we never manipulate them. Fractures can lose a pulse and then we are allowed to angulate them. Okay, you're going to have several questions about this. Now, we never remove impaled objects unless it interferes with CPR, such as having a knife in the back or chest. We would remove it because it's getting in the way of CPR. Impaled objects must be cut and transported with the patient. So imagine if a patient has something impaled in their ankle. Okay, we're going to have the fire department cut that impaled object away from the rest of it and we're going to take it with us. We never remove that impaled object. I always tell a story in my class about it. I had a guy who was walking on a block wall that had rebar sticking out and he slipped and the rebar slammed through his left buttocks. We had to cut the rebar about 12 inches from his buttocks and we transported him um, in, the, uh, in, a, in the left lateral position with the bar still sticking out of his buttocks. We had to take it with us. Amputated body parts, we wrap in moist dressing and keep cool. Amputated body parts are wrapped in moist dressing and kept cool. Thermal burns, we wrap in dry sterile dressing. Thermal burns, dry sterile dressing. Remember my rule, if you come across any patient and you do not know how they got to the floor, assume they have a spinal injury and open up the airway with a jaw thrust, you stabilize the neck and continue assessment. So you're gonna see scenario questions on this exam that's gonna talk about this. You're gonna be walking into a yard, a backyard, or walking onto the scene, and you're gonna have a patient who is down. Well, of course, we get BSI, scene safety, and general impression. So when we're gonna jump on the airway, we must assume that this patient has a spinal injury because we don't know how they got to the ground. So we're gonna stabilize the head and neck, and we're gonna open the airway with a jaw thrust. That's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. So here now, we got to start thinking. We're doing multiple things at one time by stabilizing the head and neck and opening up the airway. Okay, our next category is assessment. 
Significant head injuries produce a slow pulse. Significant head injuries produce a slow pulse. When we have severe bleeding, severe bleeding equals BSI. Always protect yourself. So just don't decide you're going to jump into treatment because we throw a question at you about someone having severe bleeding. Oh my gosh, I got to stop it. No, you got to protect yourself first. Okay, take BSI precautions. Swollen ankles are a sign of right heart failure, which is cardiogenic shock. Swollen ankles are a sign of right heart failure, which is cardiogenic shock. You need to know the rule of nines. You need to go over that tonight. Establish what the rule of nines are because we're going to give you about two to three burn patients. Remember, if the arm is half burned, it's only 4.9. The entire arm is nine. Okay, remember that. The torso, the front torso is 18, the back torso is 18. A full torso burn would be 36%. You need to know those numbers or you're not going to do very well in the test. Splinting. Whenever we splint, we always reassess pulse, motor, and sensory. Whenever we splint, the last thing we do is we reassess pulse, motor, and sensory. If you have a patient who is electrocuted, think airway. Okay? Paradoxal movement equals flail chest. If we want to determine if someone has swelling to a certain body part, we compare it to the other limb. So if my left, if I fell and I hurt my left wrist and I feel it swollen and I tell you it's swollen, then look at my right wrist. Compare them together to see if they look the same size and if they don't, then I probably have some swelling. Bilateral paraorbital ecchymosis, black eyes, and blood leaking from both ears is a indication of a basilar skull fracture. Bilateral periorbital ecchymosis and blood leaking from the ears equals a basilar skull fracture. Air in tissue that has a crackling sensation is subcutaneous emphysema. Subcutaneous emphysema requires rapid transport. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Lung, the lung is leaking air. The air is being compressed into the skin. So we have multiple things going on. This is a medical, this is a severe medical emergency, and we need to transport this patient quickly to the emergency room. By now, you should know what a first, second, and third degree burn is. A burn that involves the two outermost layers with blister, blisters is a partial thickness burn. Let's try that again. A burn that involves the two outermost layers with blisters is a partial thickness burn. In electrical burns, the entrance wound is small, but the internal damage could be massive. Remember that. The entrance could be small, but the amount of damage that's done inside of the body could be massive. If you've ever had a rib fracture, rib fractures hurt. Most patients will self-splint. They will hold their ribs themselves and they will have rapid shallow breathing as breathing hurts them a lot. Sprains affect ligaments. Strains affect tendons. The way to remember this is that strains have a T in it and tendon um, has a T. I think even a firefighter could remember that. So sprains affect ligaments, strains affect tendons. If you have a patient that has a rapid loss of, or a rapid loss of consciousness, 
This is a swan, This is a sign of brain swelling or intracranial pressure. So let's try that again. Let's clean that up. A rapid loss of consciousness is a sign of brain swelling or ICP. If you have a patient that has acute onset of shortness of breath and has one or more risk factors for a pulmonary embolus, think blood or fat embolus. What are some of those risk factors? Well, we got long bone fractures, bedridden, recent surgery, cast for a long period of time, birth control pill, all those things that we discussed in class. If someone has suffered a respiratory burn, you should be thinking about airway swelling. I can tell you as a paramedic, I responded to many fire calls where some of the firefighters were not wearing their SCBAs. And one of my concerns when they came out of that fire was airway swelling. Rear-end traffic collisions. We talked about this in class. I think I gave you this lecture. In a rear-end traffic collision, we want to think about cervical spine injuries. Think whiplash. Your head just flips back and forth and subsequently you can suffer a cervical spine injury. Last thing, if someone is struck in the chest at the perfect time, this strike can cause ventricular fibrillation. Note that this is you can note this by you are seeing bruising or redness after the strike to the chest. You should transport this patient ASAP. So we have kind of a couple things going on with that. Remember we talked about that cardiac tamponade. So let's say you have a patient that gets a baseball bat to the center chest and has some bruising. That patient needs to be transported ASAP because we got to think cardiac tamponade. But we also have that possibility that in that particular moment in time, that baseball bat could disrupt the electrical activity of the heart and put that patient into V-fib. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and we did it. I got 15 minutes to spare. That's the down and dirty study guide for exam five, trauma. I hope it helps. Good luck, and I'll see you guys on Tuesday.